0: Hi, Ray Elliott here. This is episode two of What's the Story? If you haven't heard the first episode, you should go back and listen. Everything will make a lot more sense if you listen from the beginning. Hey everyone, Ray Elliott here. I'm at the Javits Center in Midtown Manhattan for the third annual Podcaster Die convention, also known as PodCon. And I, I could not be more excited. Uh, I love it here. I've been coming for... I guess the past two years, and it's just such a vibrant and varying community of real audiophiles. Of course, there are some heavy hitters here from the big storytelling podcasts that everyone knows and loves, and uh, I'm hoping to maybe mingle with them later, now that I've got a storytelling show of my own to talk about. But first, let's explore some of the fascinating subcultures here, because that's where you really see the passion for audio. Oh, here's somebody. Excuse me, sir. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Uh, not not much. I'm just I'm here. I'm talking to folks about uh,
1: what brought them to the to the convention here. Oh, did, you know, I just f***ing love podcasts. You know, I listen to them all the f***ing time.
0: Oh yeah. Like at the you listen to them at your office or uh, when you're at the gym or something like that.
1: Well, first of all, look at me. You, know, you think I f***ing go to the gym? You know. Yeah, I mean, I. I'm but you know, I, I, when I'm at work, it's not technically an office. It's more of a conductor's car, you know. I'm a subway conductor.
0: Wait, so you're a subway conductor and you listen to podcasts while you're driving the
1: train? Yeah, I mean, like, it's you know, it's pushing a button. It's not bringing surgery, you know. It's boring as hell. I'm sitting in the in the subway. We're going from Inwood. We're going to Rockaway. We're going to Inwood. We go to Rockaway. We go to Inwood. You know, so on and so forth, and what have you. But you know, uh, and I, I got no internet. I can't take a coffee break. What the f- am I supposed to do?
0: No, I, I, re- I think that's great. And and you got to gotta be able to, to
1: keep from falling asleep at the wheel, right? Well, look, pardon me, but it's not technically a wheel. You know, there's, there are many safeguards in place so that I would not cause a collision or something of that sort. But, you know, for me, it's just it's about having alternate interests besides driving the f- train. You know, you know, I record my own podcast while I'm working, you know, I call it. Off the rails with Louis the subway guy. Really? That is amazing. So, wh- what do you talk about? What the f do you think I talk about? You know, we're like, we're on the subway. We talk about all kinds of things. We talk about, uh, you know, riding the subway. We talk about getting onto the subway. We talk about disembarking from the subway. You know, we talk to people on the subway, my customers, my friends, my regulars. Strap hangers, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My strap hangers and whatnot, and so on and so forth, what have you. I, I I love it. Uh, it. Can we hear anything? Do you have, like, uh, episodes on hand? Yeah, you got some uh, headphones on you? I do. Let me pull those up. Plug those in. So I'm heading downtown the other night. I just picked up a bunch of crazy from Penn Station. You know, they were at some hockey game. You know, I hear all the yelling and the gallivanting. And, you know, for sure, I'm positive. All oh, fighters are going to break out, and I'm ready to bust some heads. But, you know, we stop at 23rd Street, and I see a mariachi band's getting on the car. And I'm like, oh, these are gonna play Sweet Caroline if it's my last day on this And I'm like, I'm like, hey, play Sweet Caroline. And they do. You know, and the whole subway car starts singing along. Sweet Caroline, you know, you know, but by 14th Street, I've got the whole bunch of drunks in the car singing along. Problem solved, fight avoided. Thank you, Neil Diamond. You know, I always say, you see all kinds of people riding the rails, okay? Another kind of crazy is my guest here on today's episode, and he does not want to use his real name, so we're going to be polite, respectful, we'll call him Johnny the Subway Masturbator. All right, Johnny, tell me, why you got to be so weird, Johnny, you masturbator?
2: Okay, this is an ambush, You you know why. It feels good, and I can't help it.
0: Wow. Well, if that doesn't show the incredible diversity and DIY spirit of the podcasting community, I don't know what does. But hey, this is really fun, so let's see if I can find anyone else with a unique podcast. Oh, here we go. Hi there. You mean me? Yes, hi. What's your name?
3: Jeff Robertson.
0: And uh, what brings you here, Jeff? Actually, if you could just take a step back from the mic. Oh. Well, I
3: run Earworms.com. That's worms with a Z. It's a web portal for viral audio.
0: Interesting. Uh... Is that really a thing? Viral audio?
3: Oh yeah, it's a thing.
0: Ah, I see. Well, that's actually perfect then, because I'm doing a story about all the different subcultures that podcasting attracts. And it sounds like you're in the midst of well, creating a subculture. Wrong, and
3: I don't really understand what you're getting at. If you mean we're pioneering something, then sure. But we don't expect it to be a subculture, after all. Virality is at the core of the internet.
0: Sure, well... You know, maybe I'm just not getting it. Would you mind showing me this website? Oh, yeah. What's this for? Uh, A podcast called What's the Story? We're new, so you might not have heard of us. Oh,
3: I know your show. We actually have a clip from it on earworms. Wow, seriously? Oh, yeah. It was hilarious. The earworms community loved it. It had
0: like 8,000 Zs. Right on. Um, So, this community is sort of highlighting the best audio and repackaging it, in a sense, for mass audiences? Oh, totally,
3: man. It is a game-changer. They used to say audio never goes viral because it's not like video. Well, we're changing that.
0: Let me get my laptop and show you. All right, listeners. I'm not quite sure where this is going, but I think we're ready to start this episode. (whistles) This is What's the Story, a show about searching for the best version of the truth. Welcome to the show, everyone. Ray Elliott here.
4: Here we go. Hands up. Pants down.
0: Uh, Regardless, this is the second episode of What's the Story, and today we're asking, what's the story with subcultures?
5: Oh, good. I'm surrounded by such experts on the topic.
4: (laughs) Thanks, Stacy. You're not one to understand compliments and insults and other words, are you?
0: Speaking of subcultures, are you among the 7% of Americans who think technology is getting a little out of hand? Do you feel that the gadget you had 20 years ago did the job just fine? Then leftoverstock.com is the place for you. For instance, are you a little wary about storing all your personal information and files in the cloud? Well, perhaps you'd feel more safe doing it on an iOmega zip drive.
5: Oh my god. Is this our first ad?
0: Why, yes, it is, Stacy. And right now, we will be getting a commission whenever folks purchase something using the promo code WTS Podcast. So head over to leftoverstock.com and shop like it's 1999. And how many shekels will we
4: glean from that commission, old boy?
0: Well, it's uh, it's not money per se, but leftoverstock.com has agreed to give us some of their. Well, some of their leftover stock. So we'll soon have quite a number of creative nomad MP3 players on our hands. Oh, and maybe some slap bracelets, too. Wait, uh, are you serious? I've actually I've wanted one of those since college. Well, not so fast, Phil. I was thinking we might be able to give them away as gifts. You know, load them up with our episodes, and should we ever do a fundraiser or, or something, we could give them away to listeners who donate.
5: It's really great, Ray. I'm sure podcast fans would love to listen to a podcast using technology that predates the iPod.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I, mean, I know I would. I mean, that's sort of the fun of audio, right? It's a simple medium that doesn't require fancy technology.
0: Exactly, Phil. And the story I was telling at the top of the show really proves that point. So let's go back to the PodCon, where I was interviewing a man named Jeff Robertson, who thinks he has the technology to solve one of audio's biggest mysteries, why it never goes viral. So, how long have you been working on Earworms?
3: We've been running in beta now for six months with a dozen of us posting content, most of which, by the way, is already going viral. It's just a matter of time until we do the full launch. We just want to establish some basic rules for viral success before expanding the community.
0: That's fascinating. Uh, I'm sure a lot of folks here would love to know what those are. Yeah, well, I don't imagine they will like what I tell them. Wait, why?
3: Well, here is a personal favorite of mine called Endangered Owl Hiccup Farts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me hear that again. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I think I get why it works, too. It's, It's something that truly isn't visual. You need to hear the sound for it to work. Plus, it's a cute animal. Well, yeah, that's a part of it. So what else is there? And and why won't us podcasters like the rules you've discovered for viral success?
3: Oh, here's a good one. This was big last month. It's called Boy Reunites with Lost Dog After Tornado. You won't believe what you hear next. <laughs> Aw, that's really amazing. Imagine it with headphones. It's like you're there and the dog is licking you. Video can't do
0: that great point. And the title, that's like an upworthy kind of thing. See, I think I'm kind of getting a sense for the rules for success. We in the podcasting world need to think more strategically, whether that means creating something that can only be experienced by listening or giving our stories better titles. Sure, but that's only
3: going to get you so far. The thing that most of you podcasters don't get is that your sh- doesn't go viral because it's too long you can't just skim it you gotta concentrate to get anything out of it real viral audio is mindless not in a bad way
0: it's just it's just it's pure enjoyment what do you mean why are you even here if you don't care about podcasting oh we're gonna have a podcast and it's gonna blow
3: everyone else's off the internet because it requires nothing of the listener there's no story that you have to follow intently. It's going to be like America's Funniest Home Videos, but for audio, I mean, come on. Who hasn't flipped the channel from some news program to AFV and stayed on AFV?
0: I don't know, Jeff. Storytelling, it's elemental. It's, it's in our human DNA. Are people really going to choose an unfocused collage of short clips over a focused narrative?
3: Well, let me ask you. How many people listened to your first episode?
0: Well, I th- I mean, I- it's hard to say. I-, I think, you know, we had a good number. And- exactly. You don't even know. Podcasters are
3: notoriously aloof to their analytics because they just want to tell artful stories for whoever's willing to listen. So maybe, yeah, I don't know, a few hundred listeners? One thing's for sure. It was not 300,000. That's what this clip from your show got on our site. I made
0: it stupid. Oh... Oh no, Phil is not gonna like that.
3: That one's called Radio Reporter Says I Made a Stupid.
0: Really? Look, I get it, I get it. The subculture, it always wants to pick at and tear down the dominant culture. That's, that's the dynamic. Oh, you still see us as the subculture? That's funny because you're the
3: subculture. We're a part of the dominant culture of the internet, the viral culture
0: and we're helping to expand it. Okay, well thank you Jeff. I think you've made your point and uh, shown us an important characteristic of subcultures. They can sometimes be a bit delusional about their place in society. Some might say that's how they got there.
3: Come on, man, where are you going? I haven't even played you the viral audio equivalent of Two Girls, One Cup.
0: Yep, all types here at PodCon 2015. After this experience, I think I'm ready to be with my type. The storytellers. The people who really get audio and the value of narrative.
3: Z me on earworms, bro.
0: So, there you have it. Our first examination of a subculture. But, of course, not all subcultures are so self-unaware. I'm sorry, Ray. um, I was just...
4: uh, Speaking of self-unaware... Did that clip of me really go viral? (laughs) Like chlamydia, old boy. Yeah, but don't worry about it. it. It it
0: was viral among a group of idiots, really. Right. You're right. What
2: matters is what the storytelling podcasters think of us. And So you did get a chance to tell them about our show?
0: Well... I did, but I'll I'll tell you about it later. Actually, um, because we're going to do Stacy's segment now, and and you actually, I'm sure, want to hear that, right? Oh,
2: <laughs> absolutely. I'm I'm so sorry, Stacy. What was I
4: thinking? Uh, about the time you were at Farm Aid.
5: Oh, there's no rush. Let's hear about it, Ray. I mean, after all, you were hobnobbing with the paragons of our industry. Well,
0: okay. Uh, I mean, I did talk with a producer from Radiolab, and. Uh, he had, in fact, heard of What's the Story.
5: Wow, really? So, are we actually getting some buzz?
0: In a sense. um, You know, he, he said he would have me on their show. What? Huzzah!
4: <laughs> Ray, that's incredible. It's man. all falling into place.
0: Well, um, I mean, actually, he did say he would have me on only if uh, they ever do an episode about Pathological Liars. Oh, cool. What? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, my decision to quit working as a fact-checker and start what he called a silly made-up podcast with a bunch of miscreants would be perfect material for an episode like that. Well, he better check his facts is all I have to say because, I mean, you you wouldn't be good material for that, Ray. Well, thank you, Phil. Um, but But actually, I don't think he was being serious about having me on.
4: I will find him and I'll make it slow. What?
0: Let, let's or, don't say any more on the air. Okay. That's where we run into this trouble. Is,
4: it's free radio, though. Yeah. Free yeah. air.
0: Anyway, what I, I would just take away from all this, though, I'm not. I'm not embarrassed about our show. In fact, I think he reacted that way because uh, he's intimidated by us, and and you know sees us as real competition.
5: That's right. Don't let it get to you, Ray. In fact, this is a great segue into my segment because it's about a subculture that actually helped me deal with some negative feelings. And now I am much, much better.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, you look really... you look great.
5: Okay. Um, well, I I can't believe I'm going to talk about this on the air. Um, but my, my husband and I have been having some issues um, for a while now, and... Well, um a couple weeks ago we decided to spend some time apart.
4: Oh my god. Um, <clears throat> um are you all right? I bet her husband is feeling great.
5: Jesus Christ. You guys are lucky I'm still here.
0: Come on Blair. Stacey's really putting herself out there for this segment. Let her get through it. Yeah. Let yeah. me get through it. No, I
2: uh yeah, let her tell us more about her her status. I mean, um... It's not a Facebook. Like, uh, your mental or emotional status, I mean, must be in ruins.
5: (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. I feel great. Better than I have in years. I I wouldn't even be sharing this with you if I didn't truly believe in what I'm about to tell you. So, let me set the scene. My husband and I agreed to separate.
2: Oh, oh my gosh. Um, You're separated, so... So basically you're getting a divorce, then. (laughs)
5: I don't know yet. It doesn't matter. We're not living together right now, and so when that happened, I set out to rediscover myself, to learn how to be on my own again. But to do that, I had to first conquer my anxieties. A friend recommended some online videos that have a therapeutic effect on some people. They have different sounds that can trigger a tingly euphoric feeling called ASMR, or Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, At first, I assumed it was something erotic, but the rapidly growing fan base of ASMR is pretty insistent that it's not sexual at all. Not really knowing what to expect, I decided to investigate. And what I found ranged from extremely weird to just plain boring.
4: Now what we're gonna do in these set of videos is talk about trigonometry.
5: That is, until I stumbled upon the YouTube channel for Natalia Whispers.
6: Welcome to my dungeon. I hear you've been very naughty.
5: I will now teach you a lesson. Immediately, I felt something. Something wonderful. (laughs) It's hard to explain just what I was feeling. It was like a tingling sensation, but in my brain. Imagine if someone were to crack an egg delicately on top of your head, and the yolk slowly, slowly drips into your hair, tingling all the different nerve endings on top of your head. And it just slowly just drips down until it touches your ears and the side of your cheeks. And down your neck. And then by that time, you're just feeling like you're floating. And you just never want the feeling to end. (sighs) I felt such a release. All my stress and anxiety had just disappeared. Who is this woman and why did she have such an effect on me? I needed to find out more about ASMR, so when Wait,
0: I'm sorry, but did you just say ASMR? Yeah. So. I mean, that's obviously sexual. It's it's sadomasochism, right?
5: Yeah, I know what you're thinking because I said ASMR isn't sexual, but this is a subculture of ASMR. Isn't that what we're supposed to be talking about today?
0: Uh, Yeah, but it it seemed like ASMR was good enough as a subculture. I mean, never mind. Go ahead. Ugh, such prudes.
5: So, when a message popped up on my screen asking if I'd like to speak with Natalia, I clicked yes and was instructed to call a 1-900 number. Within moments, I heard her beautiful voice on the line.
7: Hello, this is Natalia Vespers.
5: Um, hi, I I just, um, I just watched your video, and it was just incredible.
7: Ah, you're too nice. Why don't I do something nice for you? (laughs) Sure. Tell
5: me, what is your fantasy?
8: Um...
5: Okay, I'm just making this up, um, you're a powerful controlling manager and I'm an impressionable
7: up-and-coming singer? Ah, very detailed. I like it.
5: After releasing a whole lot more of my tension with a role-playing exercise, Natalia told me to call back anytime. And so I did, almost every day for several weeks. The personalized ASNMR treatments continued to do wonders for me. I had practically forgotten about my husband. But I found myself growing infatuated with Natalia and hoping that she felt the same about me. But finding anything out about her was impossible. Every time I asked questions, she became uncomfortable.
7: I don't know, Stacey, it isn't safe for me to talk about myself over the phone. Besides, why should we be so serious? How about I be your manager again and demand another hit song?
5: I asked if I could come visit her, but she said something about it being too dangerous for an American. Then I realized, what if I could get her to come to me? Finally, I would learn about Natalia and whether she felt the same way about me. All I had to do was just fill out some paperwork with the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Oh, my God. She's here. Hi.
7: And do-svidanya.
5: Wow. I, um, I don't think I've ever heard your regular speaking voice.
7: Oh, Stacy, you don't know how good it is to speak normally. I don't think I will ever whisper again.
5: What do you mean?
7: Well, to be truthful, I only did AS and MR for the money.
5: Wait, so you don't have feelings for me?
7: Well, uh, I mean, I didn't at first. You were just a client, but you had to know I grew to love you. After all, you saved my life.
5: I saved your life, and you won't whisper for me anymore? Oh,
7: darling, let me explain. Before I started doing AS and MR, I was Ukrainian activist in Crimea. You know that Russia's taken us over, yes?
5: Yeah, as, like, part of the Soviet Union.
7: (laughs) Not quite. Uh, Oh, you're so innocent.
5: Thank God, you will still whisper for me. Oh,
7: no, that's just it. I, I don't want to whisper. It brings back bad memories. You see, as Ukrainian activists in Crimea, we were constantly in danger. There were pro-Russian separatists everywhere, spying on us, plotting to attack us. So we had to whisper, and I got good at it. Someone told me I could even make money whispering. I
5: just couldn't make myself care about Natalia's story. I'm sure it was moving, but it would have been better if if she had whispered it.
7: The whole time, dreaming of speaking freely, openly... And you made it all possible. You practically paid for my whole trip here. And now, we can start a life together. Why, why are you looking at me like that?
5: I, I can't listen to this. Oh no,
7: It's okay. I know everything is happening so fast, but that is love, no?
5: I mean, I I can't listen to your regular voice. It's just hideous. Uh, don't, Don't get me wrong. I'm flattered that you fell in love with me, but... I fell in love with something else, and it's gone now. Natalia left the next day. She said she was going to look for work in Brighton Beach, maybe at a bar or someplace that she could talk as loudly as she wanted. Me? I was right back where I started. Alone. But this time, I felt more self-assured. Maybe I have the tools to handle being on my own now. If I feel a pang of anxiety, though, I know where to turn. Not ASMR, that's for sure. But rather, it's dirty little subculture.
0: Wow, Stacy. Yet again, you seem to have gotten too close to your interview subject and made it really uncomfortable for everyone else.
5: Well, maybe the truth is a little uncomfortable sometimes.
0: I, I, I
2: kind of think I have the uh, that ASMR thing too. Could, could you maybe whisper something to me, Stacy?
5: Do you mean like this, Phil?
2: Uh, yeah. Could could you um maybe give me some lessons and something like? I don't know, just really help with my anxiety It's not, it's not sexual, it's just Sure,
5: here's a lesson on how not to be a creep Get your hands out of your pockets
2: Okay Sorry (laughs) But, you know, the loud
4: voice did kind of work too So maybe I don't have ASMR Oh god God, Just restrain yourself, old boy, it's not Burning Man
0: Yeah, Phil, uh, you really gotta pull it together here It's time to tell your story about subcultures
4: Okay, um, sorry
2: uh, well, first, I'd just like to say thank you, Ray, again for this opportunity. Um, Don't just, have to
0: thank me. You're part well, of the team. you know,
2: I just want you to know that I I made a real effort to improve this time around. I know I kind of botched things last time, and I felt pretty embarrassed about that. But um, I swallowed my pride, and uh, I decided to ask Mister Blair here for his professional advice. Um, so I, I, I think you'll find that
0: this story meets the standard you set for this show. Oh, I'm, I'm really impressed with your effort, Phil, and, and for being big enough to consult with Blair, who, well, let's face it, Blair, you're a little intimidating. Well, this boy is a little rough around the edges, but he can be smoothed. I uh, I'm happy to hear that. Wow. Um, you know, the more you guys actually get along, the better this show is really going to be. So, Phil, um... Why don't you just take it from here? I see you've still got that cassette player, though. They say an artist
2: is only as good as his instruments, and um, when you uh, uh, we're let's uh, just go. We're ready. Okay. Okay. I've never been shy about my use of psychedelic mushrooms. For me, they caused a shift in my perspective on life that made me a much more content and relaxed person. The way I describe it is, well, when you were a kid, did you ever play in the grass and look at all the ants and bugs and just sort of feel like, these are all my friends, my buddies. We're all in this together. When I first took psychedelic mushrooms in college, I was reminded of that feeling, that All of us creatures, nature, the universe, we're all friends. We just get so distracted that we forget that. So every year when I feel myself getting too distracted by bills and failed career goals and failed romantic relationships, I go outside to the park and eat a large amount of mushrooms by myself to be reminded of that underlying love that really does exist and connect everything. But last month, I ate more mushrooms than I ever have on an empty stomach. And I swear that, I know it sounds crazy, but I saw elves. Like gnomes, or elves, or whatever you wanna call them. Just like from the fairy tales, clear as day. But they didn't seem to wanna talk to me. I tried to interact with them, but when I'd get close, they'd just disappear. When my trip ended, I knew I needed to speak to an expert about the experience. So I reached out to local Staten Island shaman Madras Shulani Birgakhti.
6: <laughs>
9: oh, yes. They're real. They're very real. I knew it! And they do not want to be seen, so it's no surprise at all that they weren't making it easy. So... Uh...
2: Why did they appear when I... They're always
9: there. They're everywhere. But psychedelics open us up enough to see them. Some say they are angels or spirits. I say that elves and gnomes are the angels of nature. Oh,
2: my... Angels of nature. That makes
9: total sense. Right? If there's angels in the outfield, you better believe they're in the trees. (laughs) In the outfield. It's it's a Danny Glover movie. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Um. But why, why didn't they want to be my buddies? Be your buddies? Well, whenever I take mushrooms, I'm I'm reminded that the universe is love. Oh, well, that. Let me stop you there. The
9: universe is not love. You don't
2: feel like everything... the energy
9: of the universe is a mischievous one all right
2: mischievous one I, yeah i i don't know i mean i i tend to think that that there's love underneath it all i mean no. you know when when you were a kid didn't you ever you know play in the grass and sure. look down at all the bugs in the grass and just sort of feel like they were your buddies like there was just this feeling of friendship with
9: it all i mean i guess sometimes but I mean, on the other hand, I also had a wolf spider bite me in the face. Oh, uh, it's up real bad.
2: Shaman Madras Chulani Biryakti uh, may have answered some questions, but left me feeling more perplexed about life's bigger questions. Was love not the underlying energy flowing through everything? I didn't like the idea of the universe being mischievous. Thankfully... I went to high school with someone who is now an actual physicist. I figured he could answer my questions. Okay, uh, check, check. I'm here with, uh, introduce yourself. Uh, my name
10: is Bill Gannon. Doctor. Yes, Dr. Bill Gannon. I have, I have a PhD in physics from Northwestern University. And uh, I am a professional physicist. That's what I do uh
2: well i'll just get started um what 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 would you say is the emotion of the universe the universe has no emotion
10: it is a cold and dark and uncaring place the idea that that the universe has emotion is profoundly misguided
2: you don't feel you don't ever feel like the universe has your back so no of,
10: never like, yeah. What has happened in your life that has led you to think that the universe has your back?
2: I mean, did you, did you when you were a little kid, didn't you ever kind of play, play in the outdoors and the trees and the grass and just kind of look at the, the bugs and sort of feel like, you know, they were your buddies or, you know, like, did you feel like you were at one with them, like they, you were all in it? Now, when I was a little kid, I sat on an
10: anthill and a bunch of ants bit my d- like, the the universe uh, doesn't give a shit about you. Or yeah, anyone else. But, I mean, don't you think that... It- you are insignificant.
2: I... Ugh. Hmm. How's everything been since high school? Chillin', man. Ugh. The shaman and the physicist had left me feeling more lost and sad about the emotions of the universe than those elves had. Those elves. The answer was in the elves. I knew exactly what I needed to do. I wasn't going to let some experts in the human realm tell me what the emotion of the universe was. I was going to ask the angels of nature. Okay, the date is June 7, 2015 and I am Phil O'Malley and I have just eaten a half ounce of mushrooms on an empty stomach. Today I will be the first human to capture audio of, of an interview of an angel of nature and get take on the emotions of the universe. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that's a, that's a, look at my blanket look
2: at my blankets gonna the waves ha- Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I
11: know
2: look at the hexagons in the grass <sighs> Oh <dude. clears throat> I don't... know... why? Why? I don't know... Uh... Why, hello! Oh! <clears throat> what the? All of a sudden, a short man appeared in green tights and a felt Peter Pan outfit. But he soon made it clear that that was no costume at all. That's right. He was one of nature's very own angels. Looking right at me. Good day to you, sir, for I am an elf man. Um, I'm sorry, uh... Weren't you looking for me? Uh, oh wait, are are you really, uh...
3: An elf? Yes, I am an elf! (laughs) But, but you came to me! Uh, yes. Don't you have questions for me? Good sir? Uh, well, yeah, I, okay, um,
2: uh, do you, want, oh, do you want to sit on my blanket? Sure. Okay, um, where is my, re- here's my recorder, okay, mine, I got some notes, uh, oh, wait, I thought you didn't want to be seen. Really? Uh, who said that? Sh- uh, shaman, there's, there's shaman. Mater, mater oh, well, she was wrong. Here I am. <laughs> I thought, I thought so. Okay. Um, he also said the universe is uh, mischievous.
6: <laughs> hmm. That's interesting.
2: But isn't the the universe loving? Like, like, aren't we all connected? And love is the source of everything. Like. I feel that now. Do you, do you feel that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, the universe is love? Sure is. Ha! <laughs> I knew that. You hear that, people? The universe is love. You are the universe. You are love. <clears throat> Isn't that right, Elf? I'm sorry, what was your name, kid? Uh, Jeremy? <laughs> Isn't that right, Jeremy? Sure is. Um, will you say, will you say who you are before you say it? What? You know, that you're, that you're an angel. <laughs> but before you say the the universe is love.
3: An angel? Yeah,
2: aren't, aren't you an angel of nature? Oh. Yes. Why, <laughs> uh, yes I am. <laughs> so
3: say that in the, the love part. Uh, I am an angel of nature. And I say that the universe is loving. And you are my buddy. And you are my buddy. <laughs>
6: yeah.
2: and, and we are buddies. <laughs> we, we are
3: buddies. Yeah. Okay. Okay, get off me. Can you please
2: stop? Okay. Just like the ants and the other bugs, Jeremy the elf was my buddy too. And I can't deny that it felt good to get confirmation from the source itself that I was right. The underlying emotion of the universe is love. And though it may not always feel like it, it is there. And we can find it when we clear our minds of all the distractions of economic survival. Or, as I've proven, with the very first audio ever recorded of an actual nature angel, You can get there by taking a bunch of psychedelic mushrooms on an empty stomach. I'm Phil O'Malley, signing off. Um... I know. (laughs) Mind blown, right?
5: Was that fiction,
0: or...?
2: Huh? I don't know. Why would... Sorry,
0: Phil, but you don't... (laughs) You don't really believe you were speaking uh, to is... an elf, do you?
2: <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, of course I was speaking to. I, you just heard the. Did we just hear the same thing?
4: <laughs> Maybe it's time I fill the empty stomach with some reality, old boy. Come on in, Beauregard. Did you hear me? That's right, young Sprout. Step on over and introduce yourself onto the microphone. Uh, hi, I'm
3: Jeremy Beauregard. Um, sorry, Phil, but Blair paid me to dress like an elf and approach you in the park that day. But I...
5: Uh, I... Aw,
0: Phil. Blair!
3: I'm really sorry, Phil. I needed the money.
0: Yeah, Blair,
4: that's awfully cruel. How did you even come up with... Phil came to me for help with his story, so I thought, why not make it nice and juicy? Fortunately I became buddies with Beauregard here at my court ordered stint in rehab, and one thing led to another. Uh, I, uh, Phil,
2: I, are you um, are you
4: okay?
6: Uh sorry.
0: I need to go. Oh God. Phil? Phil Au
4: revoir. Alvid <sighs> Zane.
0: Jesus Blair. Why did why Valet did you do that?
4: Puer. The boy just rubbed me the wrong way, like one of those amputee massage parlors.
0: I can't deal with this. Look, I I gotta go find Phil before he hurts himself.
5: Oh my god, what would he do?
0: Well, last time he climbed a tree and didn't come down for two weeks. But, look, we're on the clock here with Mike, the sound engineer. Can you just get Blair to introduce his segment? I I gotta go look for Phil.
4: Then there were two. Yes, it's just you and me.
5: No, I do not want to be just you and me. I can't believe you made this happen.
4: Uh, I didn't make it. happen. You anything know that he's a happen. delicate creature. Blair, oh, money worries. is time.
2: Get on the microphone. Um, a look in
3: the mirror. um, this is weird, but I actually do know that Blair's segment is about his time with these weirdo mountain men in Virginia. He wouldn't stop talking about it when we are in rehab. I could probably think of more to say. Good enough.
4: As the interest in politics wanes and the surety of our own reckoning increases, a distinct class of people has arisen from the apathetic muck of the American public. These are the sovereigns, the conscientious objectors to America as a whole, who have shucked themselves of their citizenry and declared themselves free men and women of the frontier. They bivouac beneath the stars, live off the land through hunting and gathering, and as far as I can gather, defecate in various holes of their own making. Through their disdain for firearm and automobile licenses, these men often test the boundaries of the legal system. Today, we meet a man who is pushing the limits of the financial one. If one looks close enough at a select number of striped maples that line the Shandua Valley, you can see crude sailboats carved into their sides. Follow them for a time, and they will lead you to the distinct visage of Oliver Jansen, or as he declared himself to a litigator not too long ago, John McLean. A short man with hairy knuckles and a cleft chin, he struts the entrance to his vault, a cave filled with a cache of t-shirts, old sodas, credenza drawers, and columns of the same textbook, Hudson standards accounting for Intermediate's 9th edition, on the cover of which a catamaran sails proudly upon an azure sea. It is this text which is the base currency for the men of the Shenandoah Valley. John McLean explains.
12: Essentially, you know, I figured it was safer than just bartering goods for goods, you know? It's like, how can you measure your wealth otherwise?
4: One would think when you move to the woods, wealth would not be one of your concerns.
12: Well, sure. I mean, it's just, it's just good to be aware of what you have.
4: Ah, uh. And why did the book become the base currency?
12: Well, I had a lot of them, you know? And I thought to myself, quantity is a quality of its own.
4: Uh, Napoleon said that.
12: The autistic kid with the llama? <laughs> I don't think he did. No, but, oh, here comes my first customer of the day. Hello, Fred Stereo. A proud tradition of the sovereigns is to
4: rechristen themselves upon receiving their freedom. This gives a new sense of self, while also helping to eschew prior and present legal trespasses.
11: Good
12: morning, Fred. Good morning, Fred Asterio. Uh,
11: I have another deposit for you. Is that so? Indeed. I came into another bundle of
12: Arizona Cardinals Super Bowl champion t shirts. Okay, well, that's going to get you about a book and a half. A
11: book and a half?
12: Last month, it was two and a half. That's not my rule, Fred Astario. It's just economics, right? Look, you've been giving me these t-shirts for about a year now. From where? I don't know. There's a surplus. And if I have too much of one thing, that drives the price down, right? Right. Now, I'm going to ask you another question. Am I a fair man? You are. Well, there you go. Now, if you can get me something of more certain worth, I'm going to work with you. I I was just really hoping to get at least two, is all. I'll tell you what. You give me hunting rights on half acre of your land, and you get yourself three books. And I'll throw in the supplemental ledger. (sighs) Hmm. All all that means, Fred, is every time you kill something on that half acre, I get all of it. (laughs) Alright,
11: well that's a deal. Now I can get a case of bruise from Stevie.
12: Glad doing business with you, Mr. Asterio.
4: I interviewed Mr. Asterio in
11: private. Mr. Asterio, do you feel you've been given a good deal? Uh, yeah, of course I do. Otherwise I wouldn't have shook on it. How long have you been a part of the book bank? I'm going on about a year. Um, ever since John moved up around the cave. And you like the service? Well, first of all, I mean, it just makes sense. You know, I'm getting the protection for my wealth without the government oversight that can hurt my ability to get more of it. And besides, he gives you an hour in the boathouse for every month you're a member.
4: Now, what is in the boathouse?
11: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's just say it's a good town. It's a good town.
4: The boathouse is a ramshackle igloo
11: composed of the very
4: accounting books he used for currency. They are stacked like bricks of a mason gone mad, their cracks thatched with mud and twig. John McLean explains.
12: Well, it first started off as my own shelter, and that was before, you know, the system was in place. Now I guess they serve as a status symbol, which I suppose is only natural. You know, the way animals out here have their own status symbols. How so? Well, you know, how the deer out here arrange their antlers in a certain way to prove they're king? The way the female squirrels arrange their nut bounty?
4: I don't think that's how it
12: works. That's just it, Mr. Clemens. Someone taught you how they thought it worked. Well,
4: may I go inside the boathouse?
12: Look, I really appreciate the interest with the free press and all, but that's a privilege given to members only when you deposit a book's worth of goods...
4: Well, friend, I'd like to become a member. Let's see. I'll deposit my blazer.
12: Hmm. Yeah, that's about a half a book. And that's me giving you the benefit of the doubt.
4: Half a book? This is genuine gabardine. It's the only piece of clothing to be at Musharraf's wedding and Butoh's funeral.
12: Well, we would consider that jacket something of warmth... And right now the bank's warmth rich with all of Fred's t-shirts. I mean, even if we were to get rid of all of those, we would still have some Perot 92 turtlenecks to get through. I'll tell you what, though. I'll give you two books for your glasses.
4: Well, I need them to see.
12: Then I guess you don't need a book.
4: Well, this is a quandary. How about cash? Cash. Unfortunately, I do not have any cash, as I am waiting to be paid for a previous project. Besides, what use do you have for cash?
12: I have learned there's some things books can't buy, like postage. How else could I have sent my writings to you before you came up here? Ah, yes. Which I feel like you haven't read. Otherwise, why would you be asking so many questions?
4: Well, I can't quote it like Zarathustra, but I did peruse your treatise.
12: Uh, no, you didn't. Otherwise, you would know it was a Jeremiad.
4: I can tell you that it truly lived on its own level of perspicacity and delving into the moral conundrums of the human condition. Really? You think? It should be next to Darwin's species.
12: To be honest, I thought the same thing, and it is refreshing to hear someone say the same.
4: Gentle listeners, there is no other way to describe Mr. McLean's papers other than gobbledygook. A menagerie of rants, villanelles, and an in-depth analysis of the Christ figures found in the television show Caroline in the City, all pressed into the margins of one of his accounting books. John, let's not quibble. What's in the boathouse is of little import. What I'm more interested in is knowing how you acquire your book wealth.
12: Mr. Clements, have you ever done something wrong that you're proud of?
4: Well, let me tell you this, John. It's okay to drink while you interview, but never interview while you drink.
12: I don't know what that means. But you see, back before John, or BJ as I call it, I was a textbook salesman. And was essentially getting myself out of college debt by getting others into it. And it was just... wrong. So I just stopped selling the books. And I started giving them away.
4: Now, listeners... One of the few things I was able to decipher from John's scribblings was this very story. And prior to my journey to the handsome country of the Shenandoah, I was able to interview Gordon Bryant, Senior Vice President of Hudson
8: Standard Publishing.
4: Mr. Bryant, can you describe John
8: McLean for me? Well, John McLean is very strong, he's very handsome, and if I were ever in a hostage situation. Oh, excuse, excuse me, excuse me, Oliver Jansen. Please describe Oliver Jansen. Oh. Well, he is not that strong, and he is not that handsome. But he was very good at pivoting on his customers' pain points in order to address our own issues of lack of renewable revenue. But then he did something wrong. He did something very wrong. Well, I'll tell you what he did. He embezzled so many textbooks, he almost ruined the company. I laid off 20 people alone before we found out where the deficit was coming from.
4: I see. And did you take legal action?
8: We sure did take legal action. And that's when he hid behind his new name, John McLean. And the verdict? The verdict was we sued him into bankruptcy and he kept the books. I also started a supplemental relationship with his wife and assisted in terminating their fruitless marriage. Oh my, you really salted the fields there, eh? Oh yeah. I really can't stand to be trifled with. And now he uses those books as currency. Isn't that funny? How's that? He's made a bank out of bartering the books in the Shenandoah Valley. In the Shenandoah Valley? Is that right? That's so funny.
4: Not too far from the visitor's parking lot, I believe. I'm going to interview him about it.
8: He's still finding money to live off those books he stole from us? What a card. Indeed. Still fat off your land, I suppose. (laughs) What's so funny is now we have too many of those books with new editions out.
4: (laughs) I, I suppose it is funny. (laughs) (laughs)
8: <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's not that funny, but... Well, one man's robes be air another man's freedman. But I did find the bank which John McClane had created, whether useful or not, a source of happiness for the lone souls of the Shenandoah. Until at least I was about to leave.
8: Hello, John McClane.
12: Hello, Queenie McSteve. Is the bank open? Always. Did you cross paths with the stereo? I did not. Ah, well, that's all well and good. I hear you have some brewskis to barter. I do. I want all of them. That's going to be a night in the house, then.
4: May I have
12: a brewski? I'm parched. He's a guest, Queenie. All right, here you go, sir.
4: This is a Pepsi one.
12: I found a whole crate of them 2 miles over.
2: They expired in 05, so one sip will get you feeling good pretty quick. <laughs>
4: well, there's nothing else here. It's bottoms up. You know, I I I have a, <laughs> excuse me. I I've had worse rotgut. This is actually, this is kind of soothing, in a way. I, I can't explain it.
12: Let's shake on our deal and be done with it, Queenie. Queenie! Queenie!
11: Don't shake that man's hand! What? What are you talking about, Fred?
12: We're rich!
11: Some truck came by and dumped a whole load of the books. Manna from heaven. We're richer than the bank! I'll be taking my shirts back, you son of a bitch!
4: Looks like there's a run on your bank, old boy.
11: What? How?
4: Maybe it has something to do with me talking to that Gordon fellow. You talked to Gordon Bryant? Journalistic due diligence.
11: And look, Queenie, there's naked photos glued in them. Better than the ones in the book house. Oh, she, yeah, she is pretty. So, so, so the boathouse is some sort of masturbation shack? See, John, none of your books have this in them.
12: That's, it's my wife, Shirley. In Gordon's office.
11: Spread eagle.
12: (laughs) Is that a a mahogany desk? That is nice. She is really pretty.
4: Your wife's name is Shirley? Yes. Well, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Well, your wife's real name is Shirley. And your new name is John McLean. So your wife's fake name would be Shirley McLean. I'm sure it isn't lost on you. I'm RUINED! <laughs> well, it's time for me to bid adieu.
6: I'm RUINED!
3: YOU! YOU! YOU PIECE OF SHIT! YOU
4: STUPID- Alas, I wish I could say this was the first time I ruined a people's economic system, but to this day I am still not welcome in various parts of Pomerania. In closing, I have faith that John McClain will build himself anew within another subculture. Perhaps he'll find himself by saving others, whether it's ejecting from a parked airplane or solving riddles with a cantankerous but lovable African-American man on the streets of New York. He will no doubt live free or die hard.
0: Blair, I'll hand it to you. Well done.
4: I think you'll come around to my way of seeing things and realize how much better the show is without that dreadful man-child. You,
0: you really don't want to push this right now.
4: It's more of a nudge.
5: Ray, did you end up finding Phil?
0: Yeah, he's fine. Um, he's just going to go to his thinking place, the uh, the ball pit at Ikea. He's got a friend there who lets him in after hours.
8: Oh, yeah, Dimitri
0: (laughs) at the ball pit. I don't know who his friend is at Ikea. Anyway, why are you still here? Just waiting to get paid. Oh, really? Well, you know what? I don't feel so bad not having any money to pay Blair now that I know what he'd be spending it
4: on. Ah, yes, about that, Jeremy. How would you like to own one of the very first MP3 players or even Hudson Standard's Ninth edition of Intermediate Accounting? One of the finest textbooks around.
5: Listen, Ray, I'm really sorry about being a jerk earlier and also about Phil. And I also know that this is bad timing, but I think you need to find a way to make this show sustainable. Not just with a fundraiser, but maybe you could look into radio station affiliation or something.
0: Yeah. No, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, and I am going to work on that. Um, just bear with me. Uh, but... Let's let's not end on a down note here, okay? Um,
4: Maybe you could give us one of those brain-gasms, Stacy.
0: You know, actually, that is not a bad idea. Stacy, you could do the sign-off for us in, in your whisper voice.
5: Okay. For Ray Elliott, Phil O'Malley, Blair Clemens, and Mike the Sound Engineer, I'm Stacy Tung. You've been listening to What's the Story. That's it for this episode. We'll be back real soon.
6: What the story? What?